Did you guys hear who we've got on the show this week? The one and only Megan, that's what she said, Bryant. This woman literally has a thousand faces, I believe. Was I right or what? I've got a few of my own, so I think we can definitely be friends. Check these out. I tried, in vain obviously, to style my hair like her scrumptious curly locks this morning, but I think I was given a little more Eeyore and a little less Tigger in my hair. <laughs> so let's talk about Megan. As a kid, she played the recorder like a boss. She was the most reliable bench warmer on the basketball team and voted class clown in ninth and 12th grades, as if. She spent her entire life talking mostly to herself, even if it was out loud. Her favorite foods are pizza and sushi, and she's definitely down to try pizza sushi if that is ever a thing. However, don't ever try to feed her pig's feet or chicken feet or any kind of feet. Gross, no kind of feet, that's so bad. <laughs> the superpower she wishes she had is to wake up fully rested each day because there is so much life to be lived. Her favorite celebrity is Tina Fey, she says, because she's smart and funny and gorgeous and creative and weird, and she dominates her in her field while still making everyone else feel like they can be successful. As a comedian extraordinaire herself, teacher of all things improv, creator of Idaho Laugh Fest, and her hit podcast, I Hardly Knew Her, please help me welcome Megan Bryant. Hi, what I am up? so glad that you are here with me today. I can't, I can't even tell you how long I've waited. I'm so excited that you finally decided it was time, that you had time. Oh, it's <laughs> the right time. You know when it's time when it feels so right. <laughs> and it feels so right. <laughs> Absolutely. Today is the day. It is. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Megan Bryant. Uh, well, it's like an explosion of existence is really the best way to describe how I live. I, um, man, I just like to do fun things. I like to just, I, I'm a comedian and I do, you know, things, right? Professionally, improv training and all that. And what is so delightful about my life is that I get to just live in a space where I get, I get to play and be and find happiness even when things are a struggle. So like that's just really how I feel like I exist whether I'm working, which my work is play, yeah. but also just anything I just want people to think when they think of Megan, I want them to to smile whether they're laughing with me or at me. <laughs> perfect. It all works. It all works. <laughs> In perfect harmony. It's exactly. Great. It's great. So tell me about your little family. I have four little ones. They, uh, they're awesome. They're uh, three boys and one girl, an 11-year-old boy who's the current head of the household or tries to be. He forgets he's a kid. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a six-year-old girl and then a two or four and a two-year-old little boys. So it keeps me busy. Um, my eldest, so I have a firstborn child who I placed for adoption almost 20 years ago. And she is just about to get married, 
oh in like gosh. a month. So it's kind of just crazy to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm old enough to have a child who's getting married. Only I don't have to deal with any of the wedding planning. Right. So uh, her mom gets to do that. <laughs> I just get to show up and look cute for the pictures. Okay. Um, but yeah, my my little family is thriving and just we play hard. We work hard together and I make them uh, appreciate or I, whatever, I hope it helps them learn to appreciate <laughs> that all of us working together like makes life even cooler. Yeah, that's what we always hope. We're like, I know that this is a valuable lesson. I sure right. hope they're getting that. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun to talk about it, though. Like, I remember doing chores as a child mm -hmm. and just knowing I was supposed to do them, but it, I, was ne I don't remember there ever being dialogue around, like, why why we work hard or right. why it's important for the everyone to have their roles and... And maybe there wasn't, I just don't really remember it. I did learn a lot of work ethic from doing a lot of chores and, right. and work, working hard, which I am grateful for. I really like to talk to my kids, though, about, like, why anything? Like, why do we treat each other a certain way? The importance of words. We eat around the dinner table. Like, I put my phone down when it's time to play with them. There's a lot of things that I very specifically do, and I talk to them about it. Yeah. So that they hopefully can see, yeah, like why does mom do certain things or like how or that there really is intention yeah. behind everything that I do in my home yeah because I've been building my own home after having a divorce almost two years ago and finally having this is the first time I've ever had my own home right ever I never even had roommates I moved out of my parents house into married life so, so you're like oh it's like uh, a whole how, how yeah how does this work yeah huh. and huh. it's scary and I get to make my own rules yeah and I'm the only one that has to make all the rules. Right, yeah. <laughs> I remember that big being pros, a single mom. Yeah, big pros and some things that are a little like, because then it's a lot of pressure. If you do biff it, then it's yeah. like, yeah, that one's on me too. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Full responsibility for all the things, good and bad. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. So tell me about that adoption process and your mm. relationship with Hannah. Yeah, it, uh, it was kind of a weird process at the time because I didn't really plan on it. It was an unplanned pregnancy, as sometimes those things uh, begin, and in, in, for me it was in high school. And after choosing to hide the pregnancy for the duration, because uh, I simply didn't want to really let anyone else in, it was my problem, and I didn't know how to handle it. And then um, once it got to the point where the baby was born, and then we oh well, now we need to do something, and then I sort of stumbled upon the option of adoption. That all was a, a whirlwind in itself to have a baby and find their parents that I got to choose and meet them and place her all in one week's time in 1999 um, with semi-open parameters which um, allowed me a peek in every year, pictures and letters and and then blink, man you blink and then now we're here and so I actually got to reunite with her when she was just about to turn 18, it's been a, a, almost a couple of years and that was actually kind of challenging. Any more, I don't know how many people know this, but any more open, wide open adoption is the most popular plan. Mm -hmm. Everyone's involved, and it doesn't mean that everyone's like co-parenting and stuff. It just allows this openness and more love. There's more right. people to be involved with loving the child. Um, and so we learned a lot of challenging lessons as adults, as everyone had grown up. And now we're suddenly like, oh, how do we interact in life? And sure. And how do I? How does it work with me and her and her parents? 
Um, and so there were some, some growing pains there and some challenges in communication. I take a lot of responsibility on some of my weaknesses in, in the, the communication, but now we've gotten to a point where I'm really great friends with everyone. I'm like super besties with Hannah and super besties with her mom, Leanne, and we have time that we're together, all of us, and sometimes just one or the other. Leanne just stayed at my house for a couple of nights the other night, and it's really amazing to just have even more family, and there's just always more love. Yeah, That's the biggest lesson I've learned. Mine have, mine have to be an adoption, but there's other, really any scenario people are finding themselves in when there's challenges, mm -hmm. um, and maybe people that we don't necessarily expect to be included in our lives, there's just always enough love. Period. Always an opportunity. Period. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Love that. So I know you're in comedy. How did you get your start in comedy? <sighs> sort of by accident. Like I was always the funny, goofy kid. I was, you know, I was voted class clown or whatever a couple of different times. But I, um, I just always knew I liked to make people laugh and feel happy and and like everyone was okay. And then I stumbled into it sort of when just my brother had asked me if I wanted to come do improv. And he was in an improv troupe, and I didn't really know what the heck he was even talking about. And so to see that there was actually a place for, like, an adult to step into being in a, in a comedic environment. Yeah. Um, so I started with that in 2006. And then a couple years later, actually almost four years later, then I sort of inadvertently got pushed into stand-up by another friend... <laughs> who was just like running an open mic comedy night and called me up as the next comedian and I was like what I'm just here watching and so I just told some weird story about some recent trip I had taken and whatever something about being on an airplane but it was only three minutes and I survived it and I was like oh my gosh this is like a real thing so it was just became a hobby and very much by accident but I started to just really embrace how much it was helping me thrive individually and connect with people and to be really a lot more chill like life gets really hard sometimes yeah. and it it helps to not take it so seriously and to like have a, a way to come up and catch your breath almost is sure. how comedy feels for me so both levels of comedy for me were kind of unplanned and all my biggest things in life are unplanned <laughs> Other people are just put in my life, and then, right. just, and then it happens. What lesson can I learn from yeah. this? Exactly. I know. Well, how did that feel when they're like, come up on stage, and you're like, scary. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't like, even know. What? But then I, I, logically, I thought, I have a really interesting mix of like logic and crazy creative. <laughs> like sometimes those don't always marry them in, in, a, in a creative person's mind. But in that moment, I was terrified, but then I took a quick, quick glance around to this pub we were in, and there was maybe 20, maybe 20 people at most, mostly yeah. other comics. And I was like, at the worst, what's going to happen? 15 non-comedians or whatever in Boise, Idaho are going to see, see someone talk for three minutes that's weird and awkward. And like, I knew it wouldn't like destroy me. Yeah. I processed it that quickly. I remembered really taking that quick inventory and being like, Ah, ah, okay. Right. Uh, words, <laughs> words, come to me. <laughs> and it was, and then that, and that was also really eye-opening for me, though, to see um, that that's what comedy is. It's just talking about something real right. for us. And so I just talked about a real scenario and threw in a couple things of like things I actually said, like leaning over a, a passenger 
on this plane that I was on and he looked really super nervous and we, we happened to be seated over the wings yeah and so I leaned over and I'm like looking and I was like boy I hope they put those wings on real good like real casually <laughs> which made him go <gasps> <laughs> and so that was the story I told right and I was like oh it was Really exciting. Did I answer your question? Yes. I don't remember, you <laughs> I don't remember what the question was. No, you absolutely but like, did. But it just really just brings all of life together for me that it's like, why not try it? Yeah, right. I was scared. And then I was exhilarated. And then I was like curious about the art form and how right. to use it as yeah. a tool. Yeah. I always find that so fascinating because some people are, you know, they get stuck at that point that yeah. that that crossing point, that that moment where you have to make that position that mm -hmm. position change you have to pivot and make a different choice yeah that's where most people get stuck right um and then they never cross that boundary because yeah. they're like no i tried when they really didn't mm -hmm. like they just came to that precipice where they had to make the decision yep and they made a different one right you which know, is so. usually to not do the thing to take the same yes route, yes right? Yeah. Oh. It's just so fascinating to me that those people who are willing to just be like, okay, I have no idea how this is going to turn out. Right. I have no clue if this is going to work or not. Yeah. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, the way I've learned to see it, it just applies to everything in life. Like, I don't even care what the worst case scenario is. Like, as long as I don't actually think my life is in danger, and even then, you know, even like, then, like there is skydiving. skydiving. <laughs> yeah, I've gone skydiving. There's things that I'm like, okay, there's a certain thing where you're looking at like, okay, the risk of the thing. But even if you do something and you fail miserably, like I think failure is the most amazing thing ever. I, I almost hate the word failure because it seems like a negative connotation. But when you finally do something and then you see that maybe you can find out right away, you see that it's not for you. Yeah. Then now you know for sure. Yeah. So like do the thing that scares you. Maybe you feel like you look like a fool, but nobody really gives a crap. No. No one cares what you're doing. Nope. I nope. everybody is so concerned with their life and how things yeah. that they interact with affect their life. Right. That if you mess it up, no one cares. No. They're actually excited that you tried. Right. You know, Always. they're impressed. Yes. And any of the few people, because obviously I, there are real people that exist, sadly, in a place where they just want to be like, right. about people trying things. Trolls. But then other people will, I mean, people know, know the difference. Yeah. And so if they're going to spend that extra time judging me for something, like, that, what a waste of their time, yeah. you know? Like, when we need to check ourselves. If we are finding ourselves going, oh my gosh, look what they did. I would never do that. What a waste of our own time and energy Absolutely. to ever be critical of someone trying something. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I know. You're oh. like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing with your life? Seriously. Oh. So in comedy, who is like your favorite idol? Who do you look up to that you're like, oh, I really dig that guy or that girl or, or whatever in that world? You know, people ask me this a lot and I have a hard time really narrowing it down because there's so many for different reasons. Yeah. I grew up watching Saturday Night Live. Yeah. 
seeing stuff like all those different dynamics working together was always fascinating to me. Like the whole generation of Mike Myers, Adam Sandler, Will Ferrell, Sherry O'Terry, Molly Shannon. Um, well, and then there was the, the next wave of Kristen Wiig and, uh, you know, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, all those people, all those things. And I know there were some even when I was younger, Dana Carvey and stuff, was and Phil Hartman. Yeah. Well, you know, I could just list them all off. Right. But they each had these really different things, different energies, different skill sets. So from a young age, I, I, I saw the power and the connection of bringing everyone's strengths to the table. In the stand-up world, which I didn't really watch a lot of stand-up, I would watch like late-night shows, sure. and, you know, like David Letterman or things like that. And um, then I started to think, oh, maybe I need to have like these idols. Well, I watch a lot of comedians, and I don't feel like any of them are, they don't feel like celebrities to me, yeah. which is maybe a weird thing. They're just people doing their job that happens to be in front of a lot of other people. Yeah. So there's some people, like, style-wise I really like. Some of them I've watched, uh, like, like watching their evolution. Um, but it's... I, I have a hard time pinpointing because I just feel like... A couple times I've met people, including one who I always had way up here. Like, I want to say his name, but I'm not going to. Because yeah. he... I heard him on the radio first in the early 2000s. And I was like, this guy is amazing. Exactly like how things I would want to do. He uses lots of crazy voices, but still uses kind of fun, quirky, smart words. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, he's way up here. You know, you start Put to Put him think, on a pedestal. Yeah. And then I met him in real life, actually not too long ago. And I, want, I was talking shop with him, and he was laughing at some of my stuff and whatever, and we hung out. And then he got inappropriate with me. And I was like, no, I want to open for your shows. I don't want to get in your bed. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's, just, a, he's just a dumb, just bumbling a human. human like the rest of us. So I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really feel like I idolize people. I sure. just really appreciate all the differences that people bring. And when people stay true to who they are. Yeah. Mm, so, so good. good. <laughs> so good. I will say, if anyone's looking for something unique to watch, I just watched a thing on Netflix. It's a John, John Leguizamo, uh -huh. one-man show from a long time ago. Um, and he's also done documentaries about how he does not but he's just acting out his real life. And it's so raw. And there's some stuff where it's like, oof, you know those real moments where mm -hmm. like, youch. Yeah. But he makes it so that we can process it together. And, and so when I look at things like that, I watch people to see like, how, how can I up my game so that I can do it and share the things sure. I struggle with and not freak people out? Yeah, absolutely. I give really long answers. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> I love it. That's what editing is for. Um, so uh, one thing that I have to ask you about, because it's my husband's fascination as well, what is with the Jeep thing? Oh, man. I love <laughs> me some Jeep Wranglers. I noticed them as a young child. Um, they just stand out to me. And then as I watch them even over the years more, they're, they are like the embodiment of how I want to exist. Like, they look awesome. They're all made a little bit differently. Yeah. Every one of them on the lot, if you ever find Jeeps on the lot, they're different colors. They're bold colors, usually. I mean, there's other standard colors, too. But um, And the, the configurations of what you can put on them. You can customize them. You can pop the lid off. Like They're like transformers. They make me feel like I can go anywhere. Yeah. It, it like it just, To me, it's like no, nothing holds you back. Possibility on wheels. Yeah. And... Um, 
and I feel comfortable when I'm driving it. I always knew I wanted one. Yeah. Um, I just, the, the name of it, Wrangler, like everything about it is so empowering to me. Like, and there's, and again, I'm all about connection. It's in, it's in my top five strengths. Right. Um, <laughs> And you're part of something, yeah. you know, when you're on the road, you give the peace sign and, and, and Jeep people get together and they, a lot of them, there's communities where they go, they go on adventures together. And then like around Christmas time, you'll see these photos of all the Jeeps lined up that are going to do a donation drive or whatever. And, um, it's, it just, yeah, it's, it's a piece I've of always that community. Been, yeah, I've always been drawn to it. I love how in their uniqueness the collection of everyone is celebrated. Yeah. Ah, it's so good. So good. And I'm, I, in recent years, I'm like, I have to take the high road a lot. I've, re I've chosen that I take the high road in life mm -hmm. because I'm never going to drag names through the mud or do things that are blah. Um, and so it is sort of just like a metaphor for how I like to live my life. Like, I can take the high road all the time. Just put that sucker into four-wheel drive and climb the freaking mountain right high roads up there <laughs> peace let's go <laughs> i love it i love it so what are some of the habits that you feel have made you successful in comedy um patience mm. which i really actually feel like i have and i don't think a lot of people allow themselves patience um allowing myself to make what other people might consider mistakes yeah um I think that because of my start in improv first and understanding how important yes anding myself was that it allowed me to like just keep steady on the course right. and it's taken a lot of different turns and I've tried a lot of things that in some ways feel like I've, lo I've lost or haven't been able to gain enough momentum in the one vein mm -hmm. because I'm trying too many different things. And yet I can't regret any of the things that I know that I was like, I know for sure I don't want to do that. I know right. for sure I don't want to do that. And so now I can be like, nope, all this other stuff is out of the way. And this is exactly where my strengths are, where my sweet spot is, where I'm like really in my element. Um, and I think the other thing that's been helpful for me personally is to allow other people to be them. And I feel like the more I like respect and honor what other people's journeys are, it gives me a little more freedom and confidence in my own course. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I look at you, it's funny because, um, I don't know if you've ever listened to Jay Shetty. Oh yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. I love Jay Shetty, yeah. but he, one of the things that he talks about, um, is that you have to, you know, have three pieces of your life in alignment, your mm -hmm. element, your environment, mm. and your energy. Mm. And so when I think of, of, you know, people that I know that I, uh, you know, have worked with or been involved with that I'm like, oh, they are so in tune with all three. Like, you're definitely one of those people. I'm like, I, this is, this is her element. This is her energy. This is her environment. And I can watch all the pieces come together. So it's so fascinating to see it from another perspective or from yes. someone else's perspective when they say those words to me. Oh, yeah. And they're like, my element or my oh, environment. Yeah. And I'm like... I know, because we can feel it. Yes. We can feel it. Yes. So, it's oh, awesome. Awesome. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um, so, what are, in your life, what are your some of your non-negotiables? Like, in your life, in your business, those things that you're like, 
absolutely no matter what, I don't care if I lose everything, mm -hmm. this is my non-negotiable. Integrity. Mm -hmm. In all things. Yeah. When someone steps out of a space of integrity, uh, it's just, it does, I can't, I can't work with people like yeah. that. I can't allow them into my personal space. Yeah. And it kind of, that covers a lot of things. Absolutely. But I think that's the best way I've been able to dial it in is I've spent so many years figuring out what, uh, what I need to be the best me possible. And what I used to think was being selfish or being self-centered, but then I had the, I don't know, I'm sure other people have said this, but it was an idea that I didn't see somewhere else of being like, it can't be self-centered to be centered in ourselves. We yes. should be self-centered. And the more I'm very true to what I know is right and healthy for me in all the areas, I can tell quickly when people are either using me or my platform or my skills, yeah. and it's not reciprocal. And so um, people just need to be honest. Yeah. People should just be tr truthful about their intentions. I think that collaborating and sharing and doing things is great as long as you're not trying to be sneaky or manipulative about it. Right, right. Yeah, um, we can all lift each other if we're working on the same, you know, working on similar platforms or, right. or whatever. Like, I can have someone that does all of the exact same things that I do, and yep. I'm like, oh, I love that person because mm -hmm. everything that they do is... 100% them, they yeah. mean what they say, they do what they say they're going to do. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't ever feel like that's competition. No, I don't know? either. And in fact, I think when I see some, some things that I'm like, yeah, I've had that exact same thought or I feel exactly that same way, I think that we need repetition. Yeah. And there's enough people on this planet that they, and we all need repetition. Like yeah. to be able to hear it from multiple people, then they might, oh, that's kind of a nice trend. Like, it, it's a validation, too, of, like, that's what, what I want to put more of out into the world. And um, I, I, I think that that, yeah, I don't ever see it as competition. I can tell when other people think things are competition. Yeah. And I think that that's a bummer, because we should all be able to still be, like, helping each other. And we still have enough differences that, like, I, I might say and do things that are the same topic, or, uh, you know, I'll talk about the same thing on my podcast that 30 other women have on their sure. podcast, but our energies are a little bit different. Our personal experiences are always going to be a little bit different. So sharing the same intent is a beautiful thing yeah. and reinforcing, I think, to the listeners or the, you know, the consumers. Yeah, absolutely. So if you had one piece of advice that you were going to give to someone that was throwing themselves into the throngs of comedy, what would it be? <laughs> to just, just embrace it. Just try it. And not try to be something that they've seen. Yeah. Like, whatever they think is funny, you got to just think about what is, what makes you laugh? Yeah. And guaranteed, somebody else out in the world thinks that same thing is funny. Yeah. Whether it's, an uplifting environment, or maybe you're in a weird, you know, there's different types of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you're ragey and angry about certain things. As long as it's true for you. That's the biggest advice. And the, when people ask me advice about stepping into comedy, I just say make comedy what you need it to be for you. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So tell people where they can find you. I'm all over the social medias <laughs> at Kooky Megan, K O O K Y M E G A N, uh, or meetmeganbryant.com. My website has all the different links to all the many shenanigans that are Megan Bryant. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. And we'll certainly include links as well. Right. Um, so, my last question, which is why I started Lunchbox Wisdoms in the first place, is. Mm -hmm. How do you give back? Mm. There's a lot of layers to this, mm -hmm. and I see it evolving in my life. How do I give back? Okay, the most consistent space I'm in right now is to find what other people are working on and support them. Like we were just talking about like some of that competitive yeah. stuff. Like I don't even want to dabble in being like, no, I don't want, I don't want someone else to start a podcast. I don't want someone else to write a book. I don't. Want, I've had that idea. I haven't gotten it done yet. My best way to feel like I'm just giving back to the world around me is looking for ways I can step into someone's space, like being a guest on someone's show, yeah. being a guest on someone's podcast, writing an excerpt for someone's book. Anytime I can help someone else's project or be part of their goals or their shows or whatever and just step into it to support their idea yeah. that's the space I'm living in right now of being able to give back with my support and energy and enthusiasm for them taking their idea and trying to turn it into something yeah yeah because it's probably the scariest thing that people can do so mm -hmm. I feel the same way anytime mm -hmm. I can be like Oh, how can I help? Yeah. How can I help? Because I can, I can feel your energy, and I know you're, I know you're working on it. Yeah. I just want to be there next to you and yeah. be your cheerleader. Exactly. Sure. And I hope that's enough. I, I have, I fantasize about ways I want to give oh, back. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I know there will be a season in life where it will shift and change, and and yeah, I think that just putting all the love on other people's ideas and. And sharing space with people is kind of where I float in the giving space right I now. I love it. I love every minute of it. Thank you so, so much mm -hmm. for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We're excited. Right on. Right. <laughs> that was the best. Yeah. How was that? Good. That's how almost all of them go. They're oh, just like that. Great. It's literally just kind of Very cool. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like good. So, so you've done like a handful of them so far? You're number you? eight. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So this is really the last one before I really push hard to start editing. Yeah. I mean, I've start I've started, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to like, okay, is this, like, are those conversations normal patterns of flow? Mm -hmm. I've gotten some of my standard questions that I ask mm -hmm. everybody, and then I have some questions that I ask each individual person because yeah. they are each different. Right. Um, so I've got that kind of stuff. Um, and then I'll really dig into editing next and try to be like, okay, here's how I want things to go in and out so I can start yeah. making it consistent. But I wanted to have enough of a, of a pool to draw from mm -hmm. to go, okay, this works consistently. This mm -hmm. doesn't work consistently. I'm probably going to pull this question out or, you know, add questions. So right. I just kind of wanted a pool. So this cool. is number eight, which I think is pretty awesome. Place to the start. Ocho. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. So yeah, cool. That'll be good. Well, I'm proud of you. Excited too. Oh. You're so cool. What did I tell you? Megan freaking rocks. 
If you haven't seen her live or participated in one of her improv classes, you are seriously missing out. Every single conversation we have is improv. If you can get better at that single skill, every other area of your life is bound to improve. Improv to improve. Megan, go trademark that or something. Don't forget to check out her hit podcast, I Hardly Know Her, wherever you listen. All the details on where she will be and what she has coming up can be found on her website at meetmeganbryant.com. You can get all of her contact information in the details below. And until next time, share the goodness.